You're listening to McKinsey's Future of America podcast, featuring conversations inspired by a new era of sustainable and inclusive growth. Welcome to the 14th episode of McKinsey's Future of America podcast, where we'll explore how we can build a future that drives sustainable and inclusive growth. Join us in conversation with leaders who are accelerating progress to grow, broaden, and sustain prosperity for more Americans. I'm your host for today, Quaylen. I'm a McKinsey Global Institute Director and a senior partner at McKinsey based in Minneapolis. I co-authored the report that we'll be discussing today, Asian American Workers, Diverse Outcomes and Hidden Challenges. My co-authors and our guests for today will also be joining us, Michael Chewy and Jackie Wong. Michael is a McKinsey Global Institute partner and a partner at McKinsey & Company more broadly, and Jackie is a consultant at McKinsey & Company. Before we start, I want to give our listeners a little bit of background on this episode. This episode is going to be a bit different than others. Our discussion this week will be focused on giving you, our listeners, an inside look at our latest research, Asian American Workers, Diverse Outcomes and Hidden Challenges. We'll share some of the key learnings and the insights that came from our research with the hopes that it will spur conversations in your organizations and also spark the interest to to learn and do more. Michael and Jackie, welcome. And thank you for joining me in discussing this very important report. Thanks for having us on. Michael, I'll start with you. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about your background, uh, your role at McKinsey, and what made you get involved in this research? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I started at McKinsey after grad school, after getting a PhD, and uh, I started in the part of McKinsey, which is Digital McKinsey, and I've been at McKinsey for a while, so a lot of us have had multiple careers. I'm now a partner at the McKinsey Global Institute, which is McKinsey's research arm, and you're a director of that part of the uh, of uh, of our firm, and um, I'm privileged to be able to do research on a number of topics, and have done an increasing amount on uh, diversity topics, and. Um, uh, I was actually uh, co-sponsor our agents at McKinsey Affinity Group, and this uh, was a little bit of a natural uh, when Jackie uh, came to talk with me to to do research on Asian Americans because I identify as an Asian American. Wonderful. Jackie, you've got one of the most eclectic backgrounds I've heard of, uh, at least for a consultant, perhaps. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, boy. This is going to take a long time, isn't it? No, I'll, I'll do the short version. Uh, I, I am a retired architect um, and and also, uh, I guess, a figure skating analyst um, in, in addition to being a consultant at McKinsey. Um, I, I am a, a first-generation uh, Chinese immigrant, um, born in Hong Kong, raised in L.A., um, and, you know, spent the greater part of my life and the, the entire part of my career in the U.S. and, um, you know, getting into this research in a lot of ways was sort of um, a natural thing because I have been doing a good bit of uh, research on the diversity, equity, and inclusion front, um, starting with our race in the workplace study a year ago, uh, uh, looking at the experiences and representation of Black workers in the U.S. and just kind of, you know, spurred the thoughts of, you know, one, we should do one of those for, you know, every major race and ethnicity group. Um, but also I, I feel like I am in a, a unique position in that sense to be able to, uh, put together something that is for Asian American workers, especially given, um, you know, the challenges over the past couple of years and also, you know, a, a nod to our report, right? The hidden challenges that we face as, as a group and the, the sort of challenges of it, us being sort of labeled as a monolith a lot of times that 
that uh, end up masking a lot of these challenges. I can absolutely relate to to both of your backgrounds in different ways, but as a Chinese American and Asian American woman, um, absolutely related to some of the challenges you discuss. So let's dig into our report. Asian American workers, diverse outcomes and hidden challenges. For some context for our listeners, the report was based on 2019 and 2020 data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the U.S. Census Bureau. We also used data collected from McKinsey and Company's latest race in the workplace and women in the workplace reports. Jackie, you've been uh, deeply involved in in both of those and leading our race in the workplace work. So this topic is especially critical because over the last few years, um, we've seen a lot of challenges in the Asian American community, um, and many of them have been long ignored or unaddressed. And as we wrote about in the report, the Asian American population is the fastest growing population among ethnic groups and racial groups in the U.S. I was surprised in our research that it's actually projected to almost double in the next 40 years. And as we have more and more Asian Americans joining the workforce, it's really important that we have policies in place to make sure they're supported, that they're getting the most of their careers, and that companies are also getting the most from that talent. So Michael and Jackie would love to hear what specific insights really stood out to you in this research. I mean, for me, a lot of the magnitude um, of, of the numbers is really something that, that, was, that was a standout, right? Like when you said... Uh, Asian American population is, is going to double in the next 40 years. I mean, we look back at the last 20 years and it's doubled in the last 20 years. And, you know, I, I, I was particularly struck because, you know, I immigrated to the U.S. in 1991. And in 1991, Asian Americans were 3% of the U.S. population. And now, uh, we are 6% of the U.S. population. And in 40 years, Will almost be ten percent of the population. So, um, the the fast growing nature of this population has automatically or naturally um, led to a a very wide range of people because of the different countries of origin, because of the different cultures, because of the different really immigration statuses. Right. Uh, one of the things that we found in the report was seventy five percent of current uh, Asian American workers are foreign born. Like I am one of those people, right? And and so um, it it uh, it it really shows how vast this population is, and also uh, you know how how much more varied and diverse this population is than is given credit for, because we often talk about this uh, population as a monolith. Uh, what I'd add to is, um, you know, I think we're a, a, a community which often suffers from being invisible in many ways. And as Jackie was saying, 20 million Asian Americans now and, and, and growing very quickly. Um, but that increasing diversity within, um, you know, our community is, is, you know, something else that, that came out as we were doing this research, as we were looking at East Asians, South Asians, Southeast Asians who are here and the different waves of immigration that brought people here. But also the fact, you know, when we look at history, Asian Americans have been in this country for, you know, well over a hundred years. Um, and there are generations of, of families that have been here as well. And so, um, you know, we can get into the economics of it as well. Um, uh, you know, but, you know, you, you think about Asians Americans, doing well in many cases. And, you know, we have 2 million people living below the federal poverty line who are Asian American. It's, um, there's just a lot going on here. And again, I think many cases, 
we're invisible to other folks and, and many of us are invisible to one another. And so I think hopefully this will start a conversation. Both of you have talked about Asian Americans often being spoken of or thought of as a monolith, a single uniform group of people. And we know that that characterization is really harmful. Uh, it's also inaccurate, right? It ignores the different experiences and outcomes and the diversity across Asian American subgroups. In our research, we had some really interesting and I think inspiring findings around educational attainment and economic outcomes. Asian Americans have some of the highest rates of intergenerational economic mobility. So as we looked at it, one out of four Asian American children born into families in the bottom quintile of household income actually joined the top quintile of household income as an adult. That's much higher than any other subgroup. But one figure and one insight that really stuck with me from the research showed how different each subgroup is in terms of their attainment of education. So for South Asian born-born non-citizens, nearly 80% of them achieved a bachelor degree or higher. But for South East Asian foreign-born non-citizens, only 34% of them did. So on the one hand, four out of five in some subgroups. On the other hand, uh, about one out of three. Pretty dramatically different educational outcomes across Asian American subgroups. Michael and Jackie, how do you think about understanding the diversity of these subgroups across the Asian American community? I mean, I think we have to be humble about what we've found in our research and how much more work there is to be done. I think we've observed a number of these um, great variations in uh, outcomes for different people, um, whether it's between uh, different subgroups um, in terms of where they came from or where their family backgrounds are from, in terms of gender intersectionality, as as as, as you noted, they, you know, East Asian women versus South Asian women or Southeast Asian women versus men and, and, and those categories as well. Um, but, you know, why is it important? Because it, in many t- cases, take from public policy angle, um, you know, if, if you're thinking about uh, trying to address disparities in COVID-19 response, you know, we've heard stories about, about people saying we don't have to worry about Asians. And if you actually look, you know, at who was disproportionately affected. In some cases, those were Asian Americans. Um, if I mentioned poverty before, um, there are more, you know, subgroups or ethnicities of uh, our Asian American community that are above, you know, the white poverty line and the, the overall national poverty line, um, poverty rate, than there are uh, above it. And so, what this means is you have to pay attention if your goal is to try to help advance people, and you have to pay attention if your goal within an enterprise is to be able to take advantage of the talent that's available to you, whether it's in recruiting, whether it's in advancement, whether it's supporting people. Because again, if you're running a company, you want the best talent and, and you're going to compete for it. You ought to be competing for Asian talent as well. Um, and you know, we can get into that more, but we do some see some real challenges in the workplace. Um, and that's the detriment, not only to those workers, but to the detriment of our company's performances. I think to, to Michael's point too, the, this is really the tip of the iceberg. And we keep talking about this as the tip of the iceberg, right? Like every single time some, something about Asian Americans come out in research form, it's like, okay, well, this should be the start of a conversation. And we're, you know, I feel like we're restarting the conversation a lot. And I hope that yes, we restart the conversation, but also that we continue to grow the conversation, right? And, and, um, be able to have more data, be able to, to look into these different groups and intersectionalities more because, you know, if you look at it, 
you look at the group of, of Asian Americans as fairly well off on average, and then you look at the disparity of income and you actually see that the Asian American population has the largest uh, income disparity among any of the uh, races and ethnicities in the U.S. And so you can't, you can't take it at face value. And, and, you know, if, if, if we're unable, we as in the collective society is, is unable to get the, the, the larger set of data and, and be more granular in how we look at this population, we're never going to be able to continue to, to, to look into the challenges that, that uh, we keep talking about. And Quella knows this from our work together at, at the McKinsey Global Institute, but I often say to our teams, don't just look at the summary statistic, look at the full distribution, because the same average can mean very, very different things if you look at the entire distribution. And that's definitely true of Asian Americans. Absolutely, Michael. You know, one of our goals in this research was to explore what are the biggest challenges facing Asian Americans today? And exactly to the point that you've both spoken about, the distribution of income um, is quite broad. But on average, Asian Americans are overrepresented in higher wage occupations. So one out of three Asian American workers makes more than 75000 a year, compared to about half that rate for white workers, one in six for white workers. But even when you look at those Asian Americans who are earning relatively more, so they're in high paying professions, there's still a significant wage gap, right? About seven cents on the dollar there for uh, those earning a median wage of 100,000 and above. That's one of the gaps and challenges facing Asian Americans. But in your view, what do you think are the largest challenges facing Asian Americans today? That's a broad question. Um, you know, I, I, I do think it's a combination. Of, of many things. It, it's a combination of the, the fact that, uh, you know, we'll, t- we'll probably talk about it later, but the drop off in representation in more senior leadership levels. Um, there was something that we did with conducting interviews with um, Asian American workers across all different types of job levels. And a common theme that we heard, and something that resonates a lot with folks is, is the fact that Asian American employees in the US just don't um, don't see themselves in their leaders, especially in senior executive leaders. And if you, again, kind of disaggregate that population even more than, than just Asian, you're, you're seeing that, that disparity quite a bit. So, um, you know, part of that, uh, that sort of what you're talking about, right? Of being overrepresented in high wage occupations, that often ends up being, um, in, the, the, the entry level or the sort of earlier manager level, um, folks in, in that corporate pipeline. And so, you know, how do you think about, um, supporting and advancing Asian American workers and, and encouraging folks to, to be able to advance and not feel like they are just good at doing, but also good at leading because leading because they, they actually are good at leading, right? And and so that's that's something that um, is a huge challenge and continues to be um, based on all the research that we've seen over the past 10, 15, 20 years. I want to highlight one other thing too, right? I mean, we do talk about these advancement challenges and we talk about this, you know, pay equity, even for these higher earning occupations, um, you know, whether it's in healthcare or uh, you know, or STEM fields uh, where often Asian Americans are represented at higher levels than their overall 
um, representation of the population. But there's a there's a complementary or or fact, uh, you know, which Quaylen, which we found in the research, which is there there are a number of lower paying occupations where Asian Americans also are represented more highly than their share of the population. If you look at um, you know some personal care or or um, uh, if you look at some food service occupations, um, those are very, in some cases, very low paying occupations, uh, very challenging occupations, ones that in many cases are essential workers were, were very affected by the pandemic. And those are also places, uh, where Asian Americans are overrepresented. So, you know, you, you do have this bit of a barbell where you have overrepresentation in some higher paying occupations. And despite that, uh, you know, being paid less, uh, than their, than their white colleagues in the same occupations. And then you also see overrepresentation in a number of lower paying occupations as well. And I think if you look again at the full distribution, um, you can have the same kind of average, but very different, um, very different uh, distributions within it. Absolutely. I think the other thing related to that representation across the entire talent pipeline um, is that 40% drop from the entry level of companies across the U S all the way down to the C-suite, right? Direct reports to the CEO. And that significant of a drop uh, for Asian Americans is um, much, much more dramatic than for, of course, white peers. Uh, and it's even worse, uh, in fact, almost doubly worse for Asian American women. So we actually see a 70% drop in terms of levels of representation for Asian American women at the entry level of the cross-industry average in the United States, all the way down to the C-suite. Um, in fact, for every you know two Asian American men who are promoted to manager, senior manager, only one woman. So about half the manager promotion rate uh, for Asian women versus Asian men. Uh, and for the promotion rate to the C-suite level, direct reports to the CEO, it's one Asian Asian American woman for every six Asian uh, American men. So significant gaps there in terms of gender uh, promotion rates uh, for Asian and Asian Americans. One surprising finding for me was that Asian Americans have the largest income inequality across races in the United States. In fact, Chinese Americans account for almost a third of all Asian Americans living in poverty. Would love to hear your thoughts on what's driving this wide range of economic mobility and opportunity distribution across Asian Americans. Well, I don't, again, I, I don't think we know all of the answers, uh, for, for, you know, why there is, uh, why poverty exists, but, you know, a, a number of things come to mind. For instance, as, as you d- described it, uh, it was a surprise to me as, as a Chinese Canadian American, as it turns out, um, to see such a high percentage of, of the Asian Americans living in poverty being Chinese. Um, but many of th- these folks are actually elderly folks. Um, and when you think about that, um, you know, if you, you're dealing with some of the challenges of, of, you know, just being low income and older, and you add on top of that some of the challenges that are associated, you know, with with being an ethnicity um, in the minority, and then you walk around Chinatown um, in many of our large cities, you realize, yes, in fact, I, I see that now, and it was invisible to me before. Um, and so that might be someone who's just been here for generations or is, a, you know, an immigrant, but an immigrant who in many cases maybe came from a, um, you know, a higher paying occupation in the home country and, and had to t- take on lower paying work here because they were trying to look out for their children. We also know other, um, you know, subgroups within the Asian American community, Hmong, 
um, some Bangladeshis, some Burmese, for instance, who came here as refugees and their starting point uh, was simply lower. Um, and so it's, it is more challenging for them. And some, so folks again might be living, um, you know, in the experience of poverty. And so again, I, I think there are lots of reasons why someone might have those outcomes. And uh, I think the question is how do we support people, um, in moving, moving forward? What can organizations do to better foster inclusion, promotion, better representation across the entire talent pipeline? Yeah, a couple things on that, right? That the we talk about sponsorship a lot. It is quite the buzzword these days in, in the corporate environment. And you know, we're, we talk we, when we talk about sponsorship, it really is about uh, leaders who actively create opportunities, whether those are you know, learning skill building opportunities or, you know, actual promotions or, you know, um, things that folks can do in order to set themselves up for a promotion, right? Like those are, those are types of things that, um, uh, companies are really focusing on, um, especially for people of color. And the thing that's been interesting to me looking at this data is that there is a, there is a, a sort of silver lining in that, um, more junior and entry level, early junior manager type um, Asian employees tend to feel that they get a good amount of sponsorship and that their sponsorship is effective. But as you get more senior as an Asian American employee, that both the, the, the level of sponsorship with relative to white employees and the feelings of effectiveness of your sponsors actually drops and that is the case not only for sponsorship, but also for inclusion. And so you, you've got this sort of inverse relationship of higher job level and feelings of inclusion and feeling like you don't have to support, feeling like you are, you know, having this sort of per- perceptual, per- perpetual foreigner perception that makes you feel like an outsider. And, and a lot of the things that a company can do is to really, um, you know, be more inclusive, which is which is the, the the general way of saying you know you kind of have to make sure that folks are doing uh, the the active allyship and sponsorship and and calling out bias, calling out discrimination, and and doing those things that allow people to feel like they can be themselves, and not for Asian Americans, even those who are actually born in the U.S. Right, not making them feel like they are foreigners in their own country. We're back from our break. Michael and Jackie, we've explored Asian Americans' experiences, economic opportunity, and inclusion in the workplace, and how that differs both by subgroup and by gender. Now I'd like to shift our discussion to potential solutions that organizations and allies can use to shrink the opportunity gaps and drive better inclusion. We know that inclusion requires all of us to work together to create better outcomes for the Asian American community. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how organizations can apply insights from our research to create actionable solutions that are going to make a difference in the lives of Asian Americans. Yeah, a few things. And, 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 you know, I'll start with the, the fact that everybody just needs to collect more data and, and collect it in a more granular fashion. Um, I, I, I alluded to this earlier. A lot of the data that we see from, uh, from companies, especially, um, is not disaggregated for the Asian population. And so, 
when you look at the differences um, or when you try to look at the differences uh, amongst the different groups within the Asian American population, you can't find them because you actually don't know who is who. And so that, especially as the, the Asian American population continues to grow, especially as folks who um, are identify as multiracial continues to grow, um, those are really important uh, distinctions to, to, to get a hold of because it's just, you, you can't see these hidden challenges without um, having the, the, the granularity of that data. And, and so that, that is a big part of, um, of looking at the experiences and looking at what trends are actually happening in each organization and as a whole for the U.S. private sector and public sector. Yeah, a couple of things that I'd add. I mean, I'd, we experienced this challenge in terms of data, just doing the research that, in fact, it was hard to find disaggregated data to be able to look at the entire distribution. But having that data, now an organization actually has to apply it. And so thinking through some of those critical moments in a, in a, a person's professional journey, whether it's recruiting, uh, whether it's at, at time for performance assessment, whether it's making a promotion or advancement decision, um, do look at things, look at promotion rates, uh, for, for different groups, for different subgroups and try to understand if it, if there, you do see differences, why is that the case? And are those reasons, um, you know, good reasons? Uh, and, you know, again, it collect data about inclusion and, you know, what we saw again broadly across, you know, the thousands of employees, uh, in the service that Jackie manages, you know, that, that in fact, you know, as he said, in some some Asian Americans at, at more junior levels uh, feel lots of great sponsorship, but at senior levels, a lower number of sponsors and a lower perceived effectiveness of the sponsorship they're they're receiving. If that's the case, can you take action in order to support inclusion? Of course, you know, as a co-sponsor of a of a Infinity Group or an ERG, um, you know, that's one another avenue through which you can promote inclusion, through which you can promote the ability for people to feel authentic at work. Again, you know, some of the survey research shows Asian Americans, many cases, you know, feeling less feelings of fairness within their organization, feeling less feelings of being able to bring their full selves to work, uh, that perpetual foreigner um, feeling that, that Jackie mentioned. And, and organizations have all kinds of levers to try to uh, address those things. Um, and so I think those are uh, some other areas where an organization can take action. Jackie, would love to hear any other solutions or actions you think could help in leveling the playing field for Asian Americans? Yeah, I just wanted to um, uh, add on to Michael's point about um, employee resource groups. Uh, what we've seen in the work that we've done with clients is is actually that Asian American ERGs are somewhat new in their kind of existence in a lot of ways and, and in a lot of organizations. And the, the fact that they are still sort of, you know, starting up and, and, and creating their own missions and figuring all that stuff out, right? Like it, it's, it's actually really useful for these ERGs to learn from each other, learn from the ERGs that have existed and thrived before them and, and, and not feel like they're starting from scratch because, um, that often just leads to a lot of, uh, you know, reinventing of the wheel. And so, so that's a, that's a big part of it. I've also seen, um, Asian American ERGs, uh, be, be disaggregated in the sense of there being sort of sub ERGs within the greater umbrella of an Asian American ERG that, um, addresses the different 
backgrounds, cultures, experiences of the different groups within uh, within that group. So, you know, for large organizations, that is that is certainly something that folks can consider doing. Yeah. Well, and along the lines of microaggressions, right? Being deeply aware of the conscious and unconscious bias that happens. So uh, how do we think about leadership? And if leadership in our mind or, you know, we've been socialized to think it looks like uh, perhaps white male may be more aggressive and that could be countercultural for many. Uh, how do we think about people's individual real impact as opposed to sort of socialized concepts um, that may be less advantageous for certain groups? So just really digging into the conscious and unconscious bias there, I think, can help us all be better allies, especially in our people reviews uh, and progression and promotion conversations. We're going to take a quick break before our rapid fire Q&A. We're back from our break and talking to Michael Chewy and Jackie Wong. Michael and Jackie, thank you for sharing your insights with us today. I was struck both by the variability in economic outcomes for Asian Americans, but also at their lack of inclusion uh, and the high poverty rates that we see in some subgroups. We're wrapping up each of our Future of America episodes with a rapid fire Q&A. Michael, I'll start with you. Is there a book or an article that you've read recently that excites you about a more sustainable and inclusive future? Oh, that's a, that's a super, super hard one. I, 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 sorry, this is terrible. I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm a Twitter user. I find inspiring stuff there all the time. Uh, and so even stuff that's challenging, the fact that people are raising the issue, right, whether it's, you know, a funny story about a semi funny story about a microaggression that Jackie mentioned. Someone said enough, they wanted to raise that. And the, the, the ability for people to not be invisible that way, actually, I find incredibly inspiring. Michael, what makes you optimistic that we can achieve sustainable and inclusive growth? That we're all talking about this. That actually, when, we, when it comes up, people actually think about it. And when they think about it, they realize, actually, you need all three. They're, they're, they're mutually supporting. You can't have inclusion. You can't have sustainability without growth and all vice versa. Um, and that, that makes me very encouraged. What's the one thing that listeners can do today to help promote sustainable and inclusive growth for Asian Americans? Well, keep listening to this podcast. Uh, but uh, again, be open to learning. Absolutely. Jackie, over to you. Is there a book or an article that you've read recently that excites you about more sustainable and inclusive future? I love that I'm going after Michael so I can take all his answers. Uh, but no, I, I when we were writing this report, I actually kept referring to a book called uh, So You Want to Talk About Race. It's a great read that just covers a whole lot of stuff um, and a whole lot of things that you don't even necessarily think about. Um, you know, I, I think we as Asian Americans um, talk about slash think about the model minority myth a lot. And and um, there's a good part of the general population who maybe has heard that term, maybe hasn't even heard that term, um, but don't really understand what that means and why it's harmful and, and why, you know, pigeonholing an entire population into one particular thing is not a good thing. Um, so, so that, you know, I would encourage uh, folks if they are interested in reading more about race to, you know, have that as a starting point. Jackie, what makes you optimistic that we can achieve sustainable and inclusive growth? So a, a little bit different than I think what maybe you, you would expect my answer to be, which is 
actually that there is more Asian American representation in the media these days. Um, you know, whether it is in sports or whether, you know, I'm fresh off of watching the Emmys last night, right? And there, there was actually maybe for once or for the first time, um, you know, real Asian American, whether it's you know, Squid Game or, or it's Bo and Yang from, from Saturday Night Live, right? Like there are actually, there's actually more people who look like us who are in the mainstream media. And that's something that I couldn't say was the case when I was growing up. And, and that, that makes me hopeful that uh, we are moving in, in, in a good direction there. What's the one thing that listeners can do today to help promote sustainable and inclusive growth for Asian Americans? I would say uh, read our report and share it. That would be a great way for us to uh, promote sustainable and inclusive growth. Um, and, and like Michael said, keep learning, right? I, I think that's, um, that's something that uh, being in this role, doing the, the things that I do with uh, DEI, that has opened my eyes to a whole lot of things that I, I was not privy to before this. So keep learning, keep reading, keep going after the data. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Michael. That was Michael Chewy, McKinsey Global Institute and McKinsey & Company partner, and Jackie Wong, consultant at McKinsey & Company. I'm Quaylen Ellengrude, and the three of us co-authored the report, Asian American Workers, Diverse Outcomes and Hidden Challenges. You've been listening to McKinsey's Future of America podcast series. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Future of America podcast. We're thrilled you're joining us as we explore the journey toward a more sustainable and inclusive and growing economy. Be sure to subscribe to the Future of America podcast on whichever platform you use and check out our insights and research on these topics at mckinsey.com slash future of America. Thanks for being a part of the Future of America.